Welcome to a very special episode of Noob Heavy Radio. Today I get to talk to none other than Horse the Band. Living at the top from the motherfucking bottom. That's their motto, and that's how I roll to at Noob Heavy Radio. I think the last show got like five listeners, but I still have better guests than your show. What's up, man? What's going on? Anyway, naturally, because these guys are my idols, Nathan and Dave from Horse the Band, the vocalist and the guitarist, there's a bit of awkwardness. I lose track of my questions. I might even end the interview abruptly. I might even forgot to ask a bunch of questions. That's just how it goes when you're talking to somebody that you didn't think you'd ever get an email back from, let alone have on your show. This is it. This is the peak of Noob Heavy. Everything else I do after this is just like, yeah, that's cool, but talk to Horse the Band. I'd like to give a shout out to Steve from Aeon's Abyss, who also writes on the website noobheavy.com. Thank you heaps to him for editing this show, because I would have no doubt butchered it, and it wouldn't have been anywhere near as special as hopefully it is. I'm pretty sure Nathan trolled me at one point, <laughs> which I should have seen coming, and I probably accidentally trolled him as well. But uh, he mentions Horse the Band selling vitamins. I don't know how true that is. I can't really find anything about that. I'll have to get my fact checkers on that one. I think it's more of a running promotion that they do of niacin, the vitamin. And it's pretty. It's supposed to be pretty good for you. It increases blood flow. Apparently pretty good for getting weed out of your system before a piss test. Shit like that. If you aren't familiar with Horse the Band, you're in for a treat. If you are familiar with Horse the Band, you're also in for a treat. This is a very unique and rare interview, at least as far as my show goes, being amateur as shit. The music at the beginning of the show was the last, like, 35 seconds of Lord Gold, Wand of Unyielding from Desperate Living. That's a great song. I'm also going to play two or three other songs. It's going to be one in the middle of the interview, so don't go away once that comes on. There's going to be one at the end of the interview, and right now I'm going to introduce the song, Horse the Song which will go straight into the interview with Nathan and Dave from Horse the Band. Thanks for listening.
David. Hey, Nathan. I haven't spoken with you in so many years. It's been ages. We're capturing this tender moment. The reunion. Well, thanks heaps for doing this call. I'm fucking stoked to get into this. When was the last time you guys did an interview? Uh... <laughs> Didn't you... You did something a couple years ago, right, Nathan? It was whenever we were last on the road. You mean over that on that on that Christmas time two or three day tour you did an interview? Yeah. Awesome. I had no idea. I don't even know what it was for. It's out there in the universe somewhere. Yeah, we yeah. didn't we didn't have to talk about, so we mostly just kept to ourselves. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Well, let's get into the show proper then, shall we? Fair enough. Yeah. Some of these questions are pretty off the wall. I got bored trying to think of questions. So part of the <laughs> So we might get on to some pretty strange topics. But okay. uh, first off, let's talk about the new EP, Your Fault, out November 27th. On Facebook, you described it as reflecting on how suffering is increased by the knowledge that it's our own fault. I love this concept. Is is this one a more positive than Desperate Living or less negative? This one's taking responsibility for the desperation that has been lived. Yeah, I think I think it depends on uh, on who you ask. It's, uh, we went through a lot of emotions over the the five years of finishing recording these songs. So like, uh, some of those times are positive, some are negative. Um, I feel like Nathan, you you were kind of like for a minute there. You wanted to be in a more positive direction, if I recall. It's true, but I couldn't find it within me to say those words. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you see responsibility as like the a kind of antidote to failure? There is no antidote. <laughs> failure is in and of itself a failure of all things. Yeah, failure is definitely a running concept throughout the way. You don't really come back from it. You can just say you did. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like... Uh, sometimes I think back on one of Eric's famous scenes from the Earth Tour DVD where he talks about accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> For a few minutes, that that I I I think about that a lot when when we start to think about responsibility for both uh, you know successes and failures. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you'll note you'll notice from the cover art. You, you've seen the cover art, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's well, no, kind of Facebook. Like the the guy's sort of like trying to blame someone else, but then the finger just kind of like wraps around and points at himself. Yeah. thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Speaking yeah, of yeah. the Earth Tour, uh, if any listeners don't know, Horse the Band did an insane documentary uh, quite a while ago now, but you toured like 74 countries? 72 or something? Yeah, something like that. It was a uh, 
No, no, wait. It was it was seventy. It was about seventy-two shows in eighty-four days, covering uh, approximately forty or fifty countries. Yeah, that's insane. I haven't seen any documentary or anything like it. Ten hours long. Highly recommend it. Are you still in debt from it, Dave? Me? No. Uh, I have a very successful career as a <laughs> software developer now, so uh, right. those those meager debts no longer concern me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we 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 didn't. Uh, we basically paid off that debt by like signing another merch deal, but then like we got sued by a record label, so we had to like use the money to get, pay off our record to label. Oh, we we man. kept paying off our debts by like signing new deals and then getting sued and then paying off that by signing another deal. And then now we actually, I hope, I mean, hopefully this doesn't screw us, but we actually owe a significant amount of money to one of these people that was left holding the bag. But I think they don't even realize it yet because it's such a poorly run business. So we're hoping that that sort of just stays, stays in the graveyard and no one ever remembers. Well, it's good to throw it in an interview then. <laughs> I, I could edit it out if you want. Well, I didn't. I didn't say who. I didn't say who. So, gonna make a lot of people insecure. Is it me? Yeah. It's not you. I, I don't feel like I'm holding a bag. Definitely, that I know. Of. Oh, I did have a question about merch. Actually, um, what is your favorite and least favorite merch you've ever put out? And you can include concepts. Oh shit! Nice and is that the favorite or the least favorite? My most favorite. What one was that? Nice. Forced to ban brand vitamins. Oh man, I didn't even know that existed. We sold out. It was amazing. Did you, you don't like... hear about it because everybody who took it died. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something you could uh, advertise on, like, the Alex Jones show or something. What's the least favorite merch we did? There's definitely a lot of, like, really ugly awful shirts. shirts. Yeah, so many <laughs> they, awful shirts. The uglier they are, they tend to sell better, so it's hard to regret them too much. Yeah, I think the fans kind of get that. <laughs> get the, uh, the irony aspect of all of it and enjoy that. But like, have you ever had an idea for? Well, obviously, you've already put out the vitamins, so I can't think of any idea you would have that would <laughs> be like highly questionable at any point in comparison. I wanted to make action figures, but it never happened. <laughs> that, that would be good. Get a Lord Gold figurine. Yeah. On the last tour, were we, what were we gonna do? We were gonna like charge people for the right to. Sit in a trash can on stage while we play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's more like experience merchandising. Can seating. <laughs> yeah, I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. And uh, whoever paid for it also has to wear the garbage costume though, just to be fair. <laughs> it's like that uh they had a gig recently where everyone was in a bubble, but instead of that it's like everyone in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a horrible idea. Like, yeah. There's only so many cans available. Yeah, we got it's BYO. 
<laughs> no. You got you to pre-reserve them. Yeah. Uh, back to this EP. So it's three songs. Uh, correct? Yeah, yes. we failed. Uh, what are the name of those three songs? Have they been announced? Uh, yeah, I think oh, it's. I think you can find it one way or another, so no need to keep them a secret. Track one is called A Reason to Live. Track two is called No Gimbus. Track three is called March of the Pigs. Nice. March of the Pigs. This is, um, how, is it going to be, a horse fan's going to go into this EP and get pretty much the horse experience, or is there going to be, like, quite a departure in the music? I feel like there's been a shift. Yeah, I say, uh, no, yeah, I don't think it, no one's going to be shocked or, or super pissed off, but I feel like you can definitely be like, oh, yeah, they sound a bit, a little different now. Yeah, well, you guys have always had that kind of progression, like, from the 10 years of, like, going from R Borlax to Desperate Living and everything in between, that you can always feel the shifts between each release. And I've always appreciated that, uh, you know, in, in an industry where bands tend to be comfortable releasing pretty much the same album. Well, you know, one interesting thing on this one is, I just thought of this, it's our first album for which we have the same drummer and bass player as our, actually not even bass player. <laughs> it's our first album for which we have the same drummer as our previous album. Oh yeah, I was gonna actually ask about the lineup. Like, what is it? And, and, this, and this version of the band has been playing together consistently now for, uh, you know, 10 years. Actually, so realistically, that's gonna be what you hear the difference is that the rhythm section is so tight and so heavy it's very it stands out to all the other releases because the three of them are so in sync yeah, yeah. Awesome. in the past it was always like in between each album we're like oh yeah we got to find a new drummer first <laughs> and then teach them all our songs and then like quickly try to just like record an album with them before we kick them out of the band again <laughs> mechanical mechanical hands of pizza we had the same drummer but it was kind of like having a new one yeah <laughs> <laughs> he kind of like got worse in between the two. Um, <laughs> and, and also, it's like, you know, if you even want to count pizza as a full, I mean, I, I count. Yeah, I count. Pizza is great. Yeah. That where pizza is like a really great, just Halloween y kind of dark song on like such a, like to follow up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something dark like that. I just love that. And you guys have been pretty collab and remix friendly. Will we see any bonus material in the future from this EP like that? Like maybe some remixes or... Oh, shit. If any, I mean, if anyone wants uh, to do a remix, I'll send them some files. <laughs> we, we don't have anything in the, in the works right now. Well, there you go, folks. If you're listening, go remix it. But it's, you know, I don't know how... It, do people give a care about that anymore? There's so many remixes floating around. Like the, the whole that whole scene has evolved so much since the last time. It's like I feel like no one's gonna give a shit if we come out with a few remixes. I, mean, I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, the I, that's... I, I, would, I would give a shit, yes, yes. <laughs> The Desperate Living Burns tracks are great. I really enjoyed going through those. Like, I only recently discovered them as well. I didn't realize there was all those remixes, so that was fun to get into after years of listening to the band. But it's also, like, the like people are just, like, way better at making remixes now than they were then. Like, <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were, like, using the cutting-edge technology to do our best, but it's, like, you know... I mean, well, you that can was say mainly... that about all music, David. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if you could say that that music in general has gotten better at the same pace that like remixing has gotten better. But... I like some old electronic music, even if it sounds retrograde or just shitty in general. It doesn't offend me. Or yeah, maybe it's more like our the Desperate Living remixes were like at the very time. beginning like the democratization of of software tools so yeah. just everyone with with a laptop was like trying it out for the first time so the the quality <laughs> was sort of like all over the place and, and maybe like by now like the cream has sort of risen to the to the top of the people who, who are actually good at this shit yeah no definitely um I think more people maybe are focusing on making original music digitally now compared to then, when they're sort of more experimenting. Yeah, yeah. It's like everyone's got like a digital project that they put a lot of effort into now. I got, um, in my interview research, there aren't many interviews on YouTube, but I found some. I came across some absurd comments on videos. I just want to share some highlights that I found and get your thoughts. Uh, I've left out the ones where people compare Nathan or Eric to various celebrities or fictional characters, because I'm sure you've heard those plenty of times over. <laughs> Appreciate that. No worries. No Code Guitar, six months ago, said, here in May 2020 for Horse the Bee to bring a vaccine around. Are you guys working on a vaccine? <laughs> see they understand we have a higher value than the average band yeah is that related to the vitamins do you think did they think that was the vaccine i, I could see where we may have had the inception of that thought with them through that <laughs> i've been a, a big advocate of niacinology for years <laughs> on the Shapeshift music video six years ago, said, Opening bit is more black metal than Deaf Heaven ever thought about being. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I personally really like Deaf Heaven. I've yeah. never heard of them. Where do you guys stand on black metal? Uh, it has its right to be itself. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I th I think like Jeremiah like really's got a bone to pick with Deaf Heaven for some reason. <laughs> he just like kept talking about it like every day on this one tour about like how much he hated them. I, oh, I, I, I like I like them. They're they're good. Um, I saw them. I, I've seen them once or twice. It was nice, enjoyable. Yeah, I really enjoy that stuff. I think. Uh... A lot of people just have opposition to the uh, 
the blending, the new blending of post metal and black metal, like the hipsterization of it, essentially. Right. Right. But it's like it, the hipsterization feels so. Uh, I, I guess I don't understand the history of how like that band just got like latched onto by the by what you might call the hipster crowd, like. Like, why did it even get onto their radar? Did they just come from that scene? Um, I have no idea because I haven't, like, you know, read their Wikipedia page or anything. But I just always thought it was funny that it's just, like, it was on their tongues for some reason that, like, they're talking about Death Heaven. Yeah, I think they just don't act and dress like all the other black metal guys. I think they just wear, like, they just look like musicians, first and foremost. And to a lot of people, that equals hipster for some reason captain gormley two years ago said <laughs> it's like more extreme faith no more that's a comparison what? i've never heard really that's an interesting one that's i mean that's that's the uh that's what popped into my head when i sort of first conceived of the type of music we would play. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that in the uh, variety aspect of the sound and, like, the short attention span of some of the tracks where it, like, jumps around and changes a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, me, is like when... Uh, we, I mean, we used to try to do a lot of different stuff that was all really bad musically. <laughs> and, then, and then one day, Eric... In fact, Eric used to play the guitar a little bit sometimes, and we'd have two guitars. And then, but then one day at the Guitar Center, we started playing on that that, that MS two thousand <laughs> Eric's trademark keyboard, and then Nathan bought one for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, then when I heard those the sounds coming out of the keyboard, I remember just thinking like, "Oh, we like we can be like Faith No More, but like with breakdowns." Hell yeah. <laughs> that's a great that's a great idea. How many keyboards does Eric go through? Like, does he smash does he often smash his head into a head banging and shit like that on stage? Like it seems like a risk. I, I break his keyboards more than he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually it's actually the the way they break normally is from sweat getting in into the like through the keys from him yeah. headbanging it's like the sweat flying out of his hair and then eventually it, like short circuits some of the keys um so you, usually he'll have two at any given time where one is like half broken and one is like a quarter broken <laughs> and when one goes like full broke then he like swaps in the new one fair enough uh back to these couple <laughs> we've got a few more comments to go gateway j tv one year ago, said, My old band played with them at the High Amp in Huntington, 2005, 6-ish, and they got drunk and peed on the straight-edge band's guitars that were acting like dicks. Lol, good times. <laughs> Any truth to this? I have no memory of it. I'm sure it happened, though. Wait, Huntington... <laughs> what, just, Huntington just because West of the Virginia? spirit of the comment? Wait, are we talking about Huntington, West Virginia? Yes, yes, sorry. No, uh, I don't know. I mean, definitely not because they were straight edge. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember that. Tell you I, I never had a problem that with night, but people. I could say that even more ridiculous things happened the following night. 
<laughs> with the same cast of characters. Uh, I mean, whether or not we peed on the straight edge band's guitars, we did pee into the non straight edge band's guitarist's mouth on stage. <laughs> and that's on video. I think that's on YouTube, actually. You guys have a surprising amount of urination on video. I saw Nathan draining in, like in the middle of an interview, pissing backstage. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, with host to band, people just kind of stay in it, and time kind of no longer is perceived when you're listening to host the band. So you kind of forget a lot of this stuff is like ancient now. Well, that's what happens when you're not stuck into a specific genre that's of your time. Yeah, exactly. Trey Hiddlesheim, two years ago, said, I love you guys. I first saw y'all in Mobile AL downtown at the Soul Kitchen when you opened and toured with Gwar. Keep kicking ass. You guys played with Gwar? Yes. How was that? Mixed reviews. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I think that it was before any of them died. So that was cool. Oh, yeah. That's always I a mean, plus. I think since I think two at least two of them are gone now. So Yeah, Corey and Dave. That sucks. Yeah. Um the tour yeah, tour's alright. We uh tour their tour manager was a piece of shit, but that's par for the course. <laughs> I think that guy owns a like a crab shack now. The tour manager? Yeah, I saw him. He owns like a little shack down on the beach and sells crabs. <laughs> In what beach? What? It's like the end of Forrest Gump or some shit. <laughs> he, he sells crabs. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's a strange pipeline from tour management to crab selling. Fail or... Yeah. Yeah, we all have in- we all have different pipelines. Yeah. Uh, Paul Martin seven months ago said playing Borderlands three and there was a gun called Cutsman and the description of the gun is part of this song. Do you guys know about that? Yeah, I did. that was pretty cool. I How did that sure happen? Responsible for it though. That's awesome. Yeah, I played Borderlands three. I don't think I came across it myself, but yeah, that's really cool. It was a, a high point in my life when it happened. So whoever did that, I thank them. Yeah, having a gun in Borderlands named after something you did, that's like, that's peaking right there. That's good shit. <laughs> I didn't play it. I just had a bunch of people keep telling me about it, so it pressed my buttons. <laughs> uh, here, here's another strange sort of band comparison almost. Cheshire Cat seven years ago said, I would love to see these guys live on tour with like Dillinger Escape Plan, Tomahawk, and Pucifer. It's uh We toured with Dillinger. Yeah, yeah I can imagine that. Dillinger. Dillinger's toured with Mr. Bungle. Um, That'd be a good one too, yeah, Mr. Bungle. So it's uh it's it's a reasonable lineup. Uh if but you can Pucifer, though. we'll happily get on board. Just get Kevin Bacon involved. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. That's like the game you're playing, so he might as well open the gig. Oh, uh, man, like spoken word or something. No, I think he's... No, he's, got a band. he's you never heard of the Bacon Brothers? 
Bacon, Kevin Bacon, the actor. I know that. Yeah, he's he plays with his brothers in a band called the Bacon Brothers. Oh, really? No, yeah. I didn't know that. What do they play, like blues or something? I, something like that. I heard they're pretty good. Oh, fair enough. That'd be cool if they turned out to be sludge. <laughs> yeah. I'll look them up, see if I can play them on the show or something. <laughs> Eric Sandoval two years ago said, Still waiting for the day horse the band gets a drummer that can actually play the part after Cutsman break down at the regular speed and not a billion times faster. <laughs> this is something I've actually seen mentioned a bit with you guys playing songs fast, sometimes due to time restraints. How, do, yeah. how, how does this happen? Like, we play them fast because we're amped. Yeah. <laughs> we're like one, excited. Does one person like start sort of picking up pace and then everyone else is like, oh, we better speed up? Or is it just kind of like you just tear into it together? Or We're a typhoon of passion. <laughs> we started slowing stuff down a little bit, though, with the yeah. late... When couple. Daniel joined, he added the professional time signature to the band. Before that, we were a typhoon of passion. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel will play unwaveringly at the right speed traditionally, unless he's like abnormally drunk. <laughs> yeah, typhoon of passion. That's a great description. That was my band in high school that won the talent show. Typhoon. Oh, nice. One. Third place. Third place. Third place.
right, now we're on to some more questions off the wall, just in general, that I came up with. Do you believe in chaos magic? Uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Um, I believe in magic. Yeah, like traditionally, or like your own interpretation of magic? My interpretation, maybe. Yeah, that's always the best way to go. Interpretation is something I really enjoy all the time, but I often don't get it right. Also, the band lyrically are definitely one of those bands where I always hear phrases and ideas that I really enjoy and latch onto and sort of associate my own meaning with, but I'm absolutely sure the true meanings are like completely different. And I've written like whole reviews of albums where I'm like, oh, this is how what I think the lyrics are about. And then the band's like pointed me to a whole essay they wrote that describes it and stuff like that. Do you often get people misinterpreting what you're trying to say? Uh, just this one meth head guy on Instagram who doesn't leave me alone. He's got all these big ideas, but aside from him, not really. <laughs> meth heads do have big ideas. Most people, I think most people don't even attempt to put put like a specific meaning on on the lyrics. Uh, I don't know. It's it's I also think they're, they're, they're interactive. They're meant for the the person to a uh, you know stick to yeah I yeah see that. i mean these songs definitely mean something different to me than to nathan i think because like when i wrote the music i i sort of had an idea of what that of what the music meant <laughs> and nathan wrote lyrics which may or may not have anything to do with that at all but i sort of like superimposed my own meaning onto his words so i think a lot of people probably do the same thing yeah, that's exactly what I do as well. Because it's the there's some like the stuff you hear sometimes, and it's like, damn, that's actually profound as shit. Like, and then like Nathan's your vocal style just really allows the words to come through. I feel compared to like a lot of other bands that are in similar genres, that especially like the more harsh mathcore, where it's like I have no idea what they're saying half the time. So I really feel that like sort of connection to the words when I'm listening, and I really enjoy that. The um. Do you guys have, like, favorite songs that you've made? I tend to revisit them all at some point and get really excited about them again, as if, like, and I want to be like, let's bring this one back. Yeah. But we usually just keep hammering out the ones that people are most familiar with. But I, I get obsessed with songs. Like, I really like Treasure Train, but then half the band's like, it's an awful meandering mess of hell. And I'm like, I don't know why I like it, though. That song's pretty cool. Like, it's... It's got some weird parts that are pretty interesting. But then it also has some like kind of half-assed parts where it was kind of like I I yeah. yeah. That one's a mixed bag, but it it is fun to go back and listen to that one for sure. Same thing for like most of that whole album is like there's a lot of really cool shit in there even if we never actually want to play any of it live again. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that album is definitely solid. There's um so many moments that are like, I can just imagine Nathan dancing to some of those parts when I'm listening to, like the eccentric dancing that you like to do on stage and such. It's like, it's very movement orientated a lot of the time. It's all part of my master plan. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, you get the rhythm going and then you've got phrases going over the rhythm. You're trying to program us. I knew it. 
No, I actually I wrote an essay and I gave it to Dave and Eric when I met them, and it involved moving in synchronicity to the music. <laughs> <laughs> you mean dancing? The manifesto. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if listeners. If any listeners aren't that familiar and don't know what I'm talking about, just go check out the Shapeshifter music video. There's some solid dancing in that one. That is a good video. With um, a member from Zuzu, correct? Doing uh, uh, guest vocals. Yeah, but he's not in the video. He's got a stand-in mouth. Yeah, the um, <laughs> warm voice in the TV or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're originally going to use the, the actor's like face with Jamie's voice, and uh, we all felt weird about it and had him like cut the guy's face out just so we could suggest it was Jamie but without actually having it be him so he doesn't have to be responsible for us <laughs> yeah just creating deep fakes for your music videos but no, he was gracious enough to sing a part but uh, we weren't going to exactly call him back to like do more things we were surprised he even agreed to do that what's the hardest aspect of playing live for Horse the Band in terms of getting the sound to be done justice like do you have any like specifications when you're going into a show that you need or i think that's a that's a loaded question is it we, we've always had a hard time before we had our own sound person with anybody taking the keyboard seriously enough to like have it be audible in the crowd and on stage yeah like i, I there's a good chance that we sounded awful every single time we played up until like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some good uh, pro shots uh, shows. There was that one, uh, oh, I can't remember where it was or what it was. It might have been a while ago. But at one point, you pretended that you were going to play a new song called Science and then play Cutsman. <laughs> China? Uh, yeah, that was a good one. But, uh, yeah, I just like because there's so much going on with your music that I imagine it would be harder to do that live setup. Like, because you do also have like effects on the vocals and stuff like that. Like, do you just have like? I just I do it raw. I don't usually use yeah. any effects live. Yeah, I figured as much, and it works well because yeah, you got killer live chops definitely. Yeah, I think like we probably like in in our early career when we would play like all the DIY spaces without any PA, <laughs> it was just like the sound from the amps. We probably sounded pretty good then because it was just like really loud and powerful. And like the keyboard amp itself was loud enough to, for us to control. And then we probably entered a phase of like eight years where we sounded like shit all the time because it was like a different sound guy every night who was mixing us incorrectly. Yeah, it'd be frustrating. We have our own sound guy, and so we finally sound good again. Yeah, that's it's good weird. It's, it's weird having a sound guy who you know right off the bat just hates you. Like he looks, <laughs> and he kind of has heard you. He automatically doesn't want to be helpful at all. Yeah. <laughs> the only um, footage I've seen of you playing in Australia was on the Earth tour, um, which was like one of the rougher starts to the thing but how's your other experiences in australia been in the history of coming here pretty well, we uh, luxurious yeah i mean the we've been there twice right the first one was earth tour which was uh yeah i guess 
yeah. I, I thought it was it was good, but I mean, I was having a mental breakdown, but that was just a personal thing. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was having a weird like this weird thing where every time I'd drink a beer, I would get like really nauseous. So like, I didn't drink anything for three whole days, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and I had like really bad deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> <laughs> From the from the flight, like my feet just hurt really bad. Yeah, and that, uh, I think it, it wasn't Australia so much as the three months of like unknowns loaded on our four minds that I think we were trying to adapt to bearing the burden of. Yeah, yeah. But then the second time we came over for uh, uh what's the name of that festival called again? Soundway. Yeah, yeah, that that was super fun. Um, yeah, it was we, amazing. I mean, aside from like almost getting into a brawl with like ten different bands that wanted to kill Eric, uh, <laughs> and that was fucking awesome. Why did they want to kill Eric? He just—I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to reopen old wounds. Yeah, fair enough. We'll let bygones be bygones. Um, he definitely has those uh, the facial expression of somebody that gets up to mischief. <laughs> yeah, but that oh, it was amazing. We got to watch. Nine Inch Nails every night. Oh, hell yeah. And Minus the Bear. And oh, yeah, they're good. I haven't seen them live. I enjoyed it. We got <laughs> sitting on the stage, and it was a nice time. Uh, last time I went to Soundwave, I think I saw um, Real Big Fish and Faith No More. I haven't been there in a long time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't keep you much longer. I think this is a good point to end. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Talking uh, to me about this new EP. No yeah, problem. It's our pleasure. <laughs> um, by the time you hear this, it will be impossible to get our vinyl unless you buy it on eBay for dollars. But you, oh. will able, you, you will be able to listen to it on all digital platforms, but the the vinyls sold out as of this very moment. So, uh, damn, you know whose fault it is. Yeah, failures. <laughs> you guys ever gonna do cassette? Has that ever been a thing you've done? A cassette? Yeah, I collect cassettes. Yeah, funny you should ask. Uh, Marty Dwyer recently asked me if he could put out our album on cassette. You don't know who that is, but. Nathan does. He recently asked you? Yeah, like yesterday. What an enigma. <laughs> Why isn't he part of our collective? He's he's so special and unique. I don't know. Well, I can only encourage Horse Bing on cassette, because that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Alright, well thank you guys heaps for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. You two have a great day. We're we're very happy, so thank you. We'll talk to you some other day. Yeah, for sure, mate. Anytime. See ya. Bye. Across the rail, click
I love the power glove. It's so bad. 